Revelation, verses 1 to 10, page 1053 in your church Bible. 1053, Lucas, Luke 19, verses 1 to 10, Zacchaeus the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, O Lord. Hello. Um, the second reading is on page 1077 um, and is from John's Gospel and is chapter 11 verses 7 to 16. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you were going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. This is the word of the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would be with us tonight. Help me to shed the good news amongst us that we may all learn more of you this evening. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you could keep your Bibles open at the uh, Luke uh, reading. Uh, I'm going to be mainly preaching 
on how uh, Jesus met Zacchaeus and transformed his life and what we can learn from this. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've been looking at what it means uh, for St. Jude's, us here at St. Jude's, to be a contemporary house of prayer and worship, linking in with our new vision statement of Jesus transforming lives from the heart of South Sea. And if you were here last week, uh, Mike reminded us of how Jesus can transform our lives, acting as a go-between. When we first become uh, Christians, often we just have um, cries of just wanting to worship God, but not really knowing how to do this. Um, Our prayers are from our heart, but they're often unformed and we don't know always quite how to pray, but Jesus intercedes for, for us. And as we get to know him more and he gets to, to work within us, those cries uh, turn into uh, worship and praise, giving God his worth. And that's what worship is. It's giving God his real worth. And so tonight I'd like to take this uh, a step further looking at how Jesus can transform us by his love, reminding us from the passage in in Romans 12, uh, those first two verses, that worship is not just about singing songs, it's about how we live our lives. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we see here that our whole life is to be a form of worship. What we do, what we say, is all worship. And that it's meant to be transformational. That um, when Jesus comes into our life, he changes us, he transforms us, he, he enables us to be more like him. So how are our lives transformed from receiving his call to be becoming true disciples? What happens to bring this change about? Well, I think tonight's readings are two good examples of how Jesus can meet with us and how Jesus can transform us. So if we can turn to the passage in Luke 19, we can see that Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. This well-known story of the tax collector who climbs a tree to see Jesus is a children's favourite, perhaps because they can see that uh, an underdog becomes the hero, someone who's not liked, um, a person who's a nobody, um, is, uh, is able to be given a second chance. And unlike us, who often uh, aren't willing to give people a second chance, I think ch- children are, are willing uh, much more than we are. And Jesus asked us to come as children. Zikis is in fact described as short, but the Greek is also um, used for someone 
who has poor social standing. So Zacchaeus may have um, needed to climb the tree, not because he was short, but because um, the crowd just wouldn't let him in. He was a social nobody. Although he was wealthy, because he was employed by Rome, it attracted no respect. He was hated by the Jews because he'd worked for the Romans. And he would, uh, been in, because he was in, uh, working for them, he would be considered to be in collusion with them. All tax collectors were known for explo- exploitation. They were viewed as thieves. And um, they were thought to be traitors. They would also have been religious outcasts. They would not have been welcomed in the synagogues. So they wouldn't have been able to actually worship as, as Jews were expected to do. They were considered ritually unclean. And yet, Jesus calls him by name. Jesus was willing to give him a second chance, someone that was an outcast, a nobody. Jesus called by name. And throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus um, calls sinners, tax collectors, the sick and the poor, all those that were marginalized, all the underdogs in Jewish society. It's those people that Jesus reached out to. It wasn't that he didn't care for those that had status, but he knew that those who didn't have any status weren't regarded by uh, the Jewish authorities. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the leaders of, um, of the Jews, would not have welcomed these people into the synagogue. So Jesus calls Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus responds. Now, we're not told exactly um, whether he repented or not, but I think there was a, a change of heart because here we see that Zacchaeus offers to give half his money away to the poor. He immediately sees uh, that Jesus' heart for the poor is what he needs to respond to. And I think there is an acknowledgement of guilt and the need for repentance in that he offers to give back four times the amount that he had defrauded people. Now, in Jewish society, the law required um, that if you had um, taken something illegally, that you were required to give it back and then a fifth on top. But here, we see that Zacchaeus proposes to give four times the amount, and this is usually the amount that's required by someone who has actually been accused and, and found Uh, to be guilty of theft. So here we see that that Zacchaeus has acknowledged um, before Jesus that he is guilty and that he wants to change his ways. He wants to put right everything that he's done wrong. And in Jewish culture, when um, someone wants to uh, put things right, uh, it involves not only repentance, but restoration and restitution It all came as one. And that's very much what it requires when we are asked to repent. Um, Repentance is actually a change of heart. We turn away from what we've been doing 
and uh, we, we turn to Jesus. We, we want to make amends. We want to do something new. We don't want to carry on in our old ways. We want to live a new life. And we very much see this in Zacchaeus, who, unlike the rich young ruler, who Luke has been talking about previously um, in the previous chapter, who wasn't willing uh, to give up his wealth. Sadly, he walks away from Jesus. But here we see that Zacchaeus was willing, away to, gi- was willing to give away his wealth. We aren't told how much he was left with, or indeed whether he carried on being a tax collector. And uh, perhaps he was going to be the first honest tax collector in Jerusalem or Judea, as uh, we're told that he, where he lives. And Jesus recognizes Zacchaeus' change of heart by pronouncing him to become a son of Adam and that salvation has come to his family that day. And this morning we were hearing about um, how from uh, the book of Romans, when we become Christians, when we turn to Christ, we too are adopted as his sons and uh, we can have fellowship as being sons and daughters of Jesus, that we are part now of Jesus' family. And just turning briefly to uh, John chapter 11, don't, if you want to turn to it, do, but you don't have to. We're reminded here that it was Thomas, um, who often doesn't get a good press, but it was Thomas who was willing to say, let us go that we might die with him He says this because in verse 8, we already have learnt that Jesus and probably his disciples with him um, had been attacked. They tried to stone him. And so his disciples didn't really want to go back to Judea. Judea. And uh, Bethany was on the the way. So by pronouncing uh, that he was going to go back to visit uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he would be committing himself to certain um, punishment and possibly even death. Yet Thomas was willing to say, let us go that we might die with him. He may not have understood exactly what he was saying, um, but um, his heart was in the right place. And as we know that when Jesus went back To Bethany, he then went on to Jerusalem, where he was indeed arrested and uh, paid the consequence of our sin and actually died on the cross. So when we meet Jesus, are our hearts changed by his love like Zacchaeus? Are we willing, as Zacchaeus was, to become generous with our money? Are we willing to be disciples of Jesus and show love and compassion as Jesus did? And we're reminded in uh, John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, that Jesus gave us a new commandment, to love one another because Jesus loved us, as he says, A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples 
if you have love for one another. So here we have it, that Jesus expects us to love one another if we are his disciples. But that love can be costly. As we see, as we read the Gospels and get to know them, that yes, Jesus loves us, but that love in return expects our commitment and that commitment may even require sacrifice ourselves. So not only are we expected to show love and compassion, which in some ways is easy, but we are expected to be willing to even pay the ultimate sacrifice as those uh, disciples in places like Iraq and Syria who are having to pay the price of discipleship. Um, in this country, we don't have to suffer persecution for our faith. And I'm not sure how I would stand up if I had to be persecuted. But I know that the love of Jesus will get me through. Am I willing to make the extra step, go the extra mile like Thomas? But thankfully, we don't have to do it alone. We have the love and compassion of Jesus in our lives. And we are reassured that we can love because God first loved us. And that God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So that by the power of his Holy Spirit, all things are made possible. And in that way, we can be a true disciple. We don't have to struggle alone. So let us pray as I lead us in this prayer of St. Francis.